The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the best. Welcome to Global SEO Week on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and this week we're talking to five superstar SEOs about their strategies for planning, launching, and optimizing global properties for organic growth. Joining us today is Tyler Vickers, who is the SEO manager at Twitch, which is an interactive live streaming platform that is owned by Amazon. Prior to working at Twitch, Tyler also held roles for SEO in large global platforms, including Twitter and Yahoo. And today, Tyler's going to walk us through his playbook for international expansion for large platforms. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, here's my conversation with SEO manager of Twitch, Tyler Vickers. Tyler, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks very much for having me, Ben. I'm excited to have you here on the show. I'm excited to hear a little bit about uh, Twitch. And you've worked with a, a couple other content platforms Let's start off by hearing a little bit about you. Tell me about your background. How'd you get into SEO and how'd you land the gig doing SEO at a, at a company like Twitch? Uh, yeah, I have been doing SEO now for a little over 10 years. I, like many other SEOs, got into it sort of in some ways by accident and kind of fell in love with it after I was presented with an opportunity to learn it at my very first job. I come from a editorial background. So at my very first company, which was a a video and uh, men's lifestyle company primarily. I was writing blogs and editing video, searching for videos to be able to present to our audience. And around that time, building up content libraries through exact match query marketing was becoming very popular. And I saw it as an opportunity to work with freelance writers. At that time, unfortunately, when I interviewed for the editor role, I was deemed not to have quite enough experience. So I was offered an opportunity instead to 
learn the business principles that undergirded that strategy, which was called SEO. I didn't know exactly what that was, but I was excited to start learning it. So it's interesting to hear that your background was not necessarily like a, a feel like the common background for SEOs. Most of them come from a technical background and they were an engineer that was, you know, building websites and then had to figure out how to market them. And that's how they stumbled into SEO. You were actually a writer. So how do you think the understanding of the English language helped you learn SEO as you were getting started? I think it underscored the importance of distinguishing good content and being able to provide a better understanding of how important on-page content was even from the outset. I'd always loved writing and like many writers at that point in time, I was a little daunted sometimes by understanding how writers or how viewers or readers actually got to my content that I wrote. And I think that when SEO was presented to me as a strategy for getting more eyeballs on the things that you write and create, it was very intriguing initially. I didn't really understand the other business side concepts of it initially, but that concept of being discovered and having this opportunity to be discovered by a large audience was was very intriguing. And I think that my understanding of what hopefully what readers or what viewers wanted underpinned the search for understanding what they wanted and being able to convey that on the page first and foremost, and then learning the other more technical aspects of SEO about how search bots and, and algorithms understand the pages on which our writing appears was the thing that filled in the, those other gaps that gave me my first foundations of SEO knowledge. It's interesting to hear that you had a, a creative background and have learned the technical side, and yet you've been able to be a successful SEO um, without sort of a, a traditional technical background, and you've worked for some of the biggest, most notable technical companies in the world, the Yahoo's a while ago, Twitter more recently, and now Twitch, which is a growing platform. Talk to me about how you were able to learn the technical side of SEO coming from a creative background. Sure. First and foremost, I will always credit the very understanding and appreciative uh, engineers and product managers that I got to work with along the way for being patient with me as I learned these principles. I think that as many SEOs probably know or anyone who sort of dabbled in SEO has probably ascertained at some different points in time. There are a lot of resources that one can learn coincidentally through your own searching <laughs> and through some of the, some of the larger uh, brands uh, in the space that we know and love like Moz and Search Engine Journal and Search Engine Land and doing a lot of individual seeking and reading on the principles that under undergird a lot of the technical understandings of how websites are built. I learned a lot on the job in and of itself. When I joined Yahoo, my initial role was one as an editorial SEO. So I was... Because again, given my sort of somewhat unique background, I was able to interface directly with the writers who were creating content for some of our well-known subdomains and verticals like uh, Yahoo Sports and Finance and Movies at the time. And in the course of that, slowly become more exposed to the technical roles and responsibilities that would come along with the job as I would work together with the editors. So while I was doing traditional reporting on weekly metrics, ascertaining whether or not individual stories did well, why they did or did not, and really focusing on on-page optimization, I was also presented with opportunities to learn a little bit more about the technical frameworks and problems that we needed to address as a larger company and a larger SEO team um, that 
that gave me the opportunity to sort of, you know, work and learn directly in the trenches, so to speak, on what needed to get changed and how we could affect product changes that were also optimized for search in ways that they hadn't been before and present those from a business case perspective. So as you've worked in some of these large companies, I'm wondering if you see a thread of uh, Yahoo and Twitter and Twitch um, are all massive, massive websites. They're also multinational. You know, they're, they're global websites. Talk to me about some of the learnings that you've picked up along the way in terms of managing a large platform with multiple different types of content and multiple different languages. Sure. And first and foremost, again, I like to always credit those who I, my awesome colleagues that I got a chance to work with. I consider myself incredibly fortunate to have been not only presented with the kinds of uh, problems and, and opportunities at the scale that we're talking about when it comes to you know building an SEO strategy for international brands, but also working with international SEOs. When I was first at Yahoo, the SEO team that I got to interface with every day included SEOs from Germany, France, Italy, Spain, the UK, Australia. And I learned... Uh, the, the stuff that I learned from them was immeasurably positive for me as an SEO and also for understanding the the scale and subtle varieties yet universal SEO traits and uh, projects that we needed to pr- continue to pursue. So I think that we learned a lot about um, hearing. I, I think one of the things that really underscores my international experience and that I learned from that first job and took into my experience with Twitter particularly and even in some ways into my current role, is that so many of the principles that we understand as being universal and the foundational building blocks of how Google and other search engines crawl your website should be applied relatively universally to most regions. But those regions in and of themselves have very different users and very different expectations around how search works, what you can and should not be able to search for for any particular brand or concept, how those actual search results are affected, and also, you know, how we as primarily US-based and English-speaking companies can affect and scale the content that we have that is primarily created in English in a way that reaches all audiences in a harmonious sort of way and in a way that meets them in their own language and with their own sort of cultural backgrounds. And having SEOs in those regions that we can learn from and be able to give us the perspective that is unique to their audience is extremely important and powerful. So when you're working at Yahoo, I understand that you have your local SEOs, right? And they're helping go through a translation process and they're making sure that all of your content is appropriate in market. The thing that I think is most interesting about some of your experience in internationalization is that you've worked now on a couple of primarily user-generated content platforms that are truly global. So talk to me about the process of you know, localizing content that is user generated. Let's, I guess, talk about Twitter first, right? Like the users are creating content that obviously is for their market. What's the responsibility of the SEO at a platform like Twitter to make sure that whatever user generated content is framed in a way that is, you know, location specific? Yeah, that's a great question. Our primary purpose uh, from the SEO perspective when it came to internationalization on Twitter was to ensure that we were thinking about the user experience first and foremost from a product perspective and, and ensuring that we try to adhere as closely as possible 
to the rigors of speed and different, you know, app and mobile web experiences that proliferated and were very important, especially in non-U.S. regions and emerging markets. So one of one of the experiments that I was most proud of in some ways uh, during my time at Twitter was working directly with the product teams on SEO principles in the midst of changes to our mobile web experiences so that they were as consistent as possible from a speed and on-page rendering perspective as they could possibly be, particularly for users in international regions that were accessing Twitter primarily on their phone in a mobile web browser rather than necessarily through the app, which uh, at the time, and I believe still is is the primary use case for our US-based users. And the, the principles of how Googlebot and other search engines rendered those pages, balancing my priorities as an SEO with those of the engineers and the product team's insistence on speed, uh, luckily were mainly aligned. But the experimentation frameworks that we put in place to actually test that were interestingly complicated from a data science perspective, but also really eye-opening from an, from an SEO perspective. And you know the the amount of traffic preservation and uh, enhancement and the effects that we could see as we transitioned to a faster page load were very interesting to me. And, and the process of building that together holistically across these different teams was one of the more satisfying and uh, informative and eye-opening experiences of my SEO career. For a guy with an English major, you sure do a lot of tactical experimentation. And (laughs) it makes sense to me that at a global platform like Twitter, you have your user-generated content. And obviously, the first thing that you talk about when you're thinking about localization is how do we keep the site speed high? Like the basic blocking and tackling of SEO, Mm -hmm. crawlability, site speed, like does Google know what you're actually trying to say? Getting your content to Google, that is all blocking and tackling. There's a lot of technical stuff that happens there. Globally, that requires a lot of work for an SEO. I'm interested in hearing how you think about localizing the content for user-generated content. Are you going through and taking each individual tweet and you know building out the mm-hmm. functionality to translate it? How do you think about you know making sure that Google knows the underlying purpose of a piece of user-generated content so it can be appropriate for multiple different markets? That's a great question too. We mainly focused on ensuring that the localization and translation services that we had that underpin the metadata for any given tweet or product surface uh, were consistent and localized effectively. The actual content of the tweets and things like that were not something that we necessarily optimized ourselves or I didn't, I didn't interface with. We don't interface with users or tweeters directly uh, when they're doing that. But um, I would say that the ability, particularly from an SEO and one from uh, a sort of news and editorial-based background, watching, being able to follow our search traffic at a page level and see in real time these swings and trends emerge through the search traffic that was flowing globally and being able to manage that and watch uh, slight variations and, and tweets sort of emerge above the ones we normally see week to week and being able to map that to events that were happening in the world, all around the world, and and all of a sudden be exposed to something that people are searching for in another country that you might not have never seen was always fascinating to me. And being able to make sure that that experience was consistent for users was definitely number one. But then also the second priority was just determining from an SEO perspective, how does that inform how the product should, should function? How can that create new 
business opportunities for us to provide information in a different way, to provide media and content from the images that are embedded in a tweet or the video there, or how video is propagated in individual tweets. How can those be consistent and understood by search engines, but then also continue to do the main thing we want them to do, which is provide a great user experience, which of course also underpins and reinforces the optimization efforts that we're doing on the technical side. Yeah, it's interesting. So first and foremost, making the technical optimization. Second, you're not necessarily doing a lot of content translation. You're obviously not interfacing with every tweeter and saying, oh, we're going to you know, port your content over to French now. <laughs> um, but the real-time nature of these user-generated platforms means that there is a huge influx of search demand for a topic that you don't know is going to be interesting or important or popular you know, days or weeks in advance. So I'm assuming that there's a fair amount of technical optimization that you're doing to make sure that your crawls are happening nearly in real time because your content is being created in real time. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Talk to me about how you think about, you know, the nature of real-time information, real-time user-generated content, and how are you making sure that Google keeps an up-to-date picture of your content? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting sort of vanguard of, of SEO and a concept that I feel like is still in some ways very nascent, despite the fact that we as users of, of our phones and, and, uh, and computers are more and more accustomed to live video or, or live real-time information being available immediately. So focusing on structured data, at least in my experience, um, to convey the liveliness or the timeliness of a particular piece of content has been very positive from an SEO perspective. And I will believe it will continue to be such. The actual search surfaces that align with real-time content and live news updates, I think, will continue to get more sophisticated over time and making sure that if you're working on international presence for your, for your site, particularly one that relies heavily upon breaking news or any kinds of news-related spikes in traffic, Structured data markup that is timed and termed effectively to convey that to search engines is really important. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing today. I'm interested to hear a little bit about your current role and, and sort of the difference between 
the two user-generated content platforms, right? Twitter is primarily text-based and Twitch is also something that requires some sense of, you know, real-time interactivity. It's live video. So, you know, I'm sure that people are watching the recorded streams, but for the most part, people want to be there in real time to experience the product. How is your role different working on a user-generated text-based platform and a user-generated streaming video platform? Sure. They're very similar in some ways and quite different in others. I would say that they're similar in the sense that we're working from a product and platform perspective that is designed to hopefully both reach a much broader audience of new users, but also is very interested in providing a better experience from the SEO perspective to retain and return uh, returning visitors who might come back to the platform through organic search. So they're very similar in that sense. They're very different in the sense that the dynamic nature of video and video optimization, particularly for an international audience, is something that's very much at the forefront of changing natures of the devices that we watch live video on and how the search experiences change between those devices. As you mentioned in your own uh, podcast, <laughs> uh, previous podcast series, the nature of mobile SEO and the way that we watch video on our mobile devices uh, and the circumstances and situations in which we watch mobile video on our, our devices are very different than those we watch on our desktop, which Twitch as a service was, was primarily designed for initially. How do we account for those differences? And how does the user research that we do on how and when our users find our content there inform our product decisions that we make. The current role that I have really homes in on the SEO as a product experience and one that should be defined by understanding what our users want, how we can grow in terms of becoming an authority for particular concepts that we may or may not be an authority for now or believe we can be more effective for in the space of everything, not necessarily from just gaming, which Twitch is primarily known for, but also into other areas around TV, multiplayer, entertainment, art, uh, and other concepts that people search for and do so in a way that's consistent with several other different product teams who are underpinning a lot of other interesting and awesome video-based experiences and community-based experiences that we, that we are building to foster a sort of feeling of multiplayer entertainment and viewing that is also consistent with what people search for in external search engines. Yeah, I think the Twitch platform is fascinating. You know, some of the things that you mentioned are it started off primarily known as a gaming platforms, but the notion of live streaming video is something that's sort of proliferating our lives in multiple different ways, right? It's not just that you can watch somebody play a video game. There's plenty of different experiences where this type of content can be consumed. And it actually gets back into some of the things that you talked about with what your role was at Twitter. The first thing you mentioned was, hey, look, there's all of these different experiences that people around the world are, are, you know, they consume the content in a different way. Here in the US, you might have the Twitch app, right? Or you're, you know, you're, you're going to Google and there's a, a, a rich mobile landing page experience. There are also people that are interested in consuming this content that are in third world countries that don't have strong connections. How are you going to be able to deliver that content to them? So you get that technical component that's even more complex than what you were doing at Twitter. Mm -hmm. One of the big questions I have for you is as you're working with live streaming video, how are you thinking about, you know, taking that content because it is not inherently text rich? Are you thinking about translations and, you know, you have your video recorded or are you just taking metadata that's coming from 
what the content creator is, you know, saying about what they're going to post. How much are you able to take advantage of the content that's actually being produced because it is not written because it's video? I, I believe that we're getting better and better at understanding the content that we have and using some of the other product experiences that we have around generating highlights and videos and stuff like that to reinforce descriptive elements of the video and experiences that we have on any given channel page or uh, on our highlighter clips pages to deliver and modify uh, the kinds of written content that search engines are able to understand and make sure that they're being understood effectively. There's also uh, quite a bit of work still to be done again around uh, reiterating the importance of structured data and being able to use these very specific schema and schematic frameworks to deliver that information that we might know on the back end to search engines, even if it isn't necessarily provided by our users directly and be able to do that in a way that enriches our pages themselves and also enriches our huge table of creators, uh, bodies of content uh, to make sure that they're as effective and visible insertions as we possibly can be. That, of course, also extends to the kind of translation services and our approaches that we're continuing to hone for our international audiences. And I think that we still have a lot of opportunities to grow and understand how those differences should be modulated from country to country and also from search engine to search engine. Obviously, some of our some of our biggest audiences are non-English speaking, and we want to make sure that the, the creators in those countries have the same opportunities that the ones in the U.S. do to grow their audiences and uh, be able to still utilize the same services and community-based enrichments that we have here in all regions. I'm going to boil SEO down to uh, its bare bones, and I'm going to oversimplify, so everybody bear with me here. The, the keys to SEO are making sure that your page loads quickly, making sure that Google can get access to your content, and making sure that Google can interpret your content. And my takeaway from this conversation is when you're working with user-generated platforms, the, the challenge is primarily on the first side is building experiences so Google can quickly load your content. You're working with a ton of content. Your, your pages need to load quickly. And then also getting Google access in real time is the other big challenge because with user-generated content, it's important for a second and often you know, then it's gone and something else is the, you know, the hot topic for the day. Mm -hmm. Are there any other, you know, tips that you have for people that are doing SEO for user generated content? Did I miss anything that's critically important? Um, I think one of the other potential critically important aspects of working with user generated content is making sure that you constantly test your own assumptions of the way that that content is categorized and structured on your own site, particularly as that content is and the, those organizational mechanisms are proliferated to other countries. The structure of a site, the elements that we as arbiters of the site create and organize are still critically important to the way the search engines crawl through there, particularly when you're talking about having an efficient crawl through very large bodies of pieces of content, videos, category pages, videos that are live versus used to be live, uh, archive content, highlights. Or if we're talking, again, going back briefly to the, the text-based understanding of this, if you have multiple different translations for the same article or for the same product page, the way that those pages are structured 
from a metadata perspective, the way they're translated, the way that they have hreflang and other structured markups applied, and the way that those all fit together according to each one of those regions are critically important. And getting back again briefly to what you mentioned before, the formulation of experiments to test those assumptions and test those categorizations and present different variations and see what effect they might have on your visibility, positive or negative, are critically important. And I would recommend working with your engineers, working with your your product teams to underscore the importance of those strategies, but also effectively communicate why they're important. And it's important going again back to what what you initially said and and might be just kind of the the boiled down version of SEO. Uh, Can Google access the most important parts of this page? And are we giving our users a clear concise and easily navigable logical content progression as we move through the site just so they can find what they want to find and, and watch. Yeah. That context is everything for for viewers and for search bots alike. Yeah. So it goes into Google's ability to consume and understand your content and, and using the the structure and the sort of ability for you to quickly, easily uh, describe what you're submitting to Google through your sitemaps and through structured data, you know, that is key specifically when you're working with a ton of content like a user-generated platform. Tyler, I said this before, I'll say it again. For a guy with an English major, you know a hell of a lot about the technical side of SEO. (laughs) And I appreciate you telling us about your experiences and walking us through internationalization for user-generated content. No, thanks very much. I have to represent for the English majors out there who find themselves in tech jobs. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, all you literary nerds, that's a wrap for this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with the SEO manager from Twitch, Tyler Vickers. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Tyler, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Tyvik, T-Y-V-I-C-K, or you could visit his company's website, which is twitch.tv. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions or if you'd like to talk to me about this podcast, you can find my contact information in our show notes or you can send me a tweet at benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And lastly, if you've enjoyed the show and you're feeling generous, we'd love for you to leave us a review in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. 